This is CliffCentral.com. Yeah, out in Africa, it's two minutes past 12. I'm Pumi Mashekho and you're tuned into Womanla. It is Women's Month and I had a chat with Noah. She was on here last week and I had a chat with Noah and she was saying, you know, Women's Month in South Africa seems so full of like, it's so it's either women abuse. It's actually quite a depressing month, she said. And I thought, you know what? That's not true. Women's Month is not about depression. Women's Month is about celebrating the femininity. Women's Month is about feeling good. It's about women taking their place in society. And so I thought today I'm going to take a moment and and have a chat with all of you and with a friend of mine who's going to come on the line a little bit later on and talk about a black woman that I think is incredibly phenomenal. And if anybody embodies the spirit of what Women's Month is about, about taking charge, being in control, being in control of your own destiny and making the world what you want it to be. And she's actually enjoying a lot of... um Shall I say a re-emergence in the past couple of months? She is the subject of a Netflix uh, documentary called What Happened, Miss Simone? I'm going to start by playing this little tune for you. Yep, yep, yep. Girls, we are talking about Miss Nina Simone and that song. She plays the piano on that as well. And she taught herself how to play the piano from when she was three years old, simply by listening to the music. She taught herself how to play classical music on piano. And she is an incredible, incredible woman. But with this new Netflix film, and I'm sure all of y'all has see, have seen the, the, the clip on YouTube, which is like, Every Lauren Hill fan sighing with relief and feeling kind of letting out a gigantic kind of, oh my gosh, she's still around because Lauren Hill killed it, killed it, killed it, killed it. She is the producer of the music and she's got a couple of tracks on the album and we'll be playing some of that later on. But I've got Bongani on the line and oh, he's going to be on the line in two minutes. And Bongani wrote, I was reading I love Nina Simone, almost like every black girl who kind of grew up in a township listening to jazz every Sunday. If it wasn't in your house, it was blaring on the speakers from next door. And I just remember my grandmother had this, this thing that looked like a, it, like a kist. But when you opened it, it had a turntable. And on Sundays, they'd like put records out there and crackling records. And, and so jazz is just in the soul for us. And when I heard Lauren Hill, last week and I saw the clip that was making around the world headlines around the world as Lauren Hill re-emerged channeling Miss Nina Simone it was incredible in fact the the clip that I saw had a thing saying that Lauren Hill will Lauren Hill's rendition of the song will tear your soul apart and she totally did so happy that she found her way back home and on Sunday I'm flipping through the papers and this guy had a night. This guy, Bongani Madondo, he's a journalist. He's a pop, pop culture icon. Um, 
iconic writer in South Africa. He's written for Rolling Stone magazine. He wrote the autobiography of Brenda Fassi a couple of years ago. And he had an evening revisiting Miss Nina Simone. I tracked him down, tracked him down, got his number and at 11 o'clock last night, got him to agree to come and chat with me today, even if it's just for 10 minutes, because he's got this incredible lecture that he's put together about Nina Simone. And he is one of this country's premier, premier columnists around music, around pop culture. And Nina Simone has a very special place in his heart. And he's going to come on and chat with us a little bit later on. And I can see through the window here that... um Without Duncan, we are all struggling, even Jonathan. Jonathan's trying to get him on the line for us. But when I was doing the research about Nina Simone, I also found um, a story about her almost trying to kill a guy from a record executive who was trying to steal her royalties. And this is a clip from an interview, one of the last interviews that she did. She died in 2003, and this is an interview she did with Tim Sebastian on the BBC in 1999, the last interview that she ever gave. Uh, talking about dealing with unscrupulous record executives. Talking about dealing with unscrupulous record executives and now the unscrupulous system doesn't want to play with me either. But she has this interview. Now, Nina Simone, before I let you go, one question. There is a report that at a business meeting once you pulled out a knife. I sure damn did. Did you? Yes, I did. And Why? I was a record company that stole my albums and didn't pay me. And they came to Switzerland. And I said, where's my money? And they said, we're not going to give you any money. I said, oh, yes, you are. And I got a gun. Uh, it was a gun. It wasn't a knife. And I followed him to a restaurant and I tried to kill him. I missed him and I went back to America. You actually pulled the trigger? Oh, Excuse me. Uh, yes, I did. <laughs> and felt and felt better for it. Oh yes. Sorry, I didn't get him. And that's how I met my lawyer because the lawyer read in the Financial Times that I had pulled out a knife in um, Switzerland and tried to kill somebody who stole my records. I correct, and and he said. Anybody who's willing to go to that length to get their royalties, I want to work for them. So now we've advertised that side of your life, and you say that you're still looking for a lover. Um, people, are, Men are going to be a bit nervous of you, aren't they? They are very. Do you manage to put them at ease? No. And you don't try too hard? No, no I don't try. I, yes, I try hard, but I refuse to cook or to clean. So they've got to take you as, they, as you they've are. They've got to take me as I am and recognize that I'm a star as well as a woman and they have to deal with the two. And treat you properly. Uh, definitely. Nina Simone, Dr. Simone, it's been a great pleasure having you on the program. Can I say one more thing? I'm a Please doctor. Do. do you know why? You're a doctor of humanities? Yes. From the Malcolm X University in Chicago? Yeah. And a doctor of music? From Amherst College in Amherst, Massachusetts. Okay. Thank you for setting the record straight. It's been a great pleasure. And that right there, ladies, is Miss Nina Simone. She's a star and a lady. And I think on Women's Month, that's definitely how 
every woman should feel like a star and a woman and every man should treat us like that. Bongani is on the line to chat with us and he is, he's a very busy man, ladies, and he's, um, He's taken the time to say he's going to chat with us, but he can only chat with us for a very, very short time. He's running in between meetings. He's in Cape Town and he's trying to get, he's trying to get interviews and he really has made a, a very big concession to spend some time with us. Um, while we try and get him on the line, I think I'm going to just to remind you, if you haven't seen the version with Lauren Hill, which I hope you do go out and look for it. And I'm going to tweet it a little bit later on as well. But Lauren Hill um, singing I'm Feeling Good is an absolute masterpiece. And I'm feeling good. Okay, we Got Bongane back on the line, so I'm gonna come back and play this. Let's see if we can chat with him now. Bongane. Hi, how are you doing? I know, my brother, you're a very, very busy man. I've just been telling all the listeners how incredibly busy you are and that you've taken this time just to chat with us very quickly because you, like me, think that Nina Simone is an absolute magical being and so you will chat with us about it. Thank you so much. I'm actually just fading out Miss Lauren Hill. I'm also shutting down Miss Lauren Hill for you. Thank you for coming on the line and chatting with me. Morgan, tell me, tell me a little bit about your, your lecture that you gave at MoMA Gallery a couple of weeks ago about revisiting Miss Nina Simone. First, is the telephone line, is it clear? Is it, is it good? The reception is good? It's perfect. Okay, all right. Um, so what happened is that I, I started this, I conceptualized this public deliberations platform in association with Momo Gallery, um, which has outlets in Cape Town and Johannesburg. And so we came up with this concept called Giant Steps. Giant Steps was inspired by John Coltrane's work. Um, so Giant Steps basically is a public deliberations platform that talks to issues of culture, visual, sonic, and street culture, mostly visual, sonic culture, and street culture. But it talks about them, and, and, and not only that, and current affairs, but from a cultural prison. Basically, what ails this country and what is it that we can do to take this country to a level that it can go to? That is the idea of my Janster's public platform. And so what we do then, we do talks, we do public lectures, we do exhibitions, we do a whole lot of things, mostly uh, built around issue of discussions and the highest ideal of agreeing to disagree. That's that's basically the the story <laughs> behind that. I love that agreeing to disagree. So sure. It's, it's a- um, and so basically, it's this course, it's what I've been doing in Berlin, in France, and in Italy for the last five years. And I realized that uh, I can do something here at home, you know. But out there, it's much more tightly curated, tightly done. People are extremely professional and a whole lot of things. It's very difficult to do, to do, you know, grand works here in South Africa, including works with no big budget, but highly, you know, visionarized, if, you, if I have to put it that way, internalized and planned work. 
and where that needs serious input to make a difference. It's difficult to do it here in South Africa because we are just not there. We, you know? But we're learning, Mungane, and I think people like you, even taking the giant small step, gets us gets us going it gets us to that place because when when i read about those kind of platforms and i hear the 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 ideals behind it it's so exciting for me um partly because i love talking <laughs> but also because i think that we need we need spaces like that in south africa to be able to to just start talking to because each other because africa is a very exhausting place to work from I can tell you that, especially if you are a South African. Why? Um, but anyway, but anyway, it is completely exhausting. There are no structures. There is no willingness. The 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 level of scholarship is highly problematic. It's a whole lot of things. It's a blind country as well. It's mm. really really. But listen, how I don't did know you? So how did you decide on that's Nina Simone? If that's the platform, that's about it, about how Nina did you Simone. decide on Nina Simone? I decided about it because um, one, the album was coming out called Nina Revisited. And, and, but the thing is, I've been writing about tragic black heroines, you know, um, like uh, Miriam Makeba, Bussing Songo, Brenda Parsi, um, uh, Lauren Hill. And I wanted to add, uh, quote unquote, this black heroine, Edith Piaf, in it. And so I've been writing about them all my life at a deeper level. So I felt that there's one or two that I haven't really, 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 you know, given my love to. And that's Nina Simone. That's one of them. And, and, and Ella, you know. Uh, but I, I think people have totally forgotten about Ella. At least Nina is slightly more contemporary. And but you Ella talk about... And Nina um, and a woman in West Africa called Mfakera. And Naimi. So basically, I'm interested in in what you might want to believe are esoteric, uh, iconic figures who happen to be slightly known in pop culture or widely known, but all the ethos and all their philosophies and what they stand for are in stark contrast with pop culture. In short, i.e., the rebels, the healers. That's what I'm interested in. And, and so you Nina, say tragic but, heroines. Yeah. Why? Pardon? You say tragic heroines. Um, why? Why the 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 tragic part? Because I mean, they're celebrated. They they've lived full lives, and they they got to do what a lot of people don't get to do, and that is. L- make their living from a talent and something that they love. And a lot of people don't get to do oh, that. They, they are totally tragic figures, but like I said, I didn't say tragic figures. I said to you, tragic heroines. Heroines, so, yes. Most uh, heroines, yes. Although the tragedy attends to their work and their lives, personal, spiritual, and external lives, uh, although all of that happens, there's an element of time as well that we can derive from their work. So, so they are like an oxymoron. They they are tragic, but they are triumphalist as well. If you know what I'm trying to say. Sure. So, what makes them tragic um, is the fact that they were born in the world that was not going to understand them in the first place. They they want to. They are the artists who shake our ground in a way that they want to take us to, to levels where we have never been properly prepared, you know? And, and the other things that they happen to be women. 
uh, in African culture, the, 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 how do I put it? Um, not the capsule, I'm looking for this word. The, um, sort of the storage, or, or yeah, the reservoir, the, the word is the reservoir. The reservoir of spiritual work and enlightenment is rest within women. Women are the reservoir of that. That is why if you can't do certain, if you need to do certain rituals, they'll ask for the aunt or, or this or that or the granny. But certain things can be done only by women because women give birth, including those who don't give birth. They give life. Yeah. They give life and life. And so, 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 so then and imagine then if you are a woman and then you, you create music that, that is beautiful and all that, but that music that makes us think twice about ourselves. So you have a double burden right there. You have a double load right there. Uh, a load of being a woman and all that attends to it in a society that still don't respect women, but a load that comes with being the spiritual bearer of, of this hard new, uh, you know, sort of the hard challenge, you know? Yeah. And then a load of to create art. So it's almost like triple load, triple burden that, that all these iconic women carry. And the, and, and the burden is heavy. And I, I needed to look at it and ask myself, did we ever understood fully the role our mothers and trainees and sisters and women colleagues play in this, in this world, especially in the creative field? And do you have an answer? Do we? I don't have an answer. That's why I continue writing about it. If I had an answer... I'll write one masterpiece and then I wouldn't have to write forever about it. But I don't, <laughs> sorry. Is that the thing that, it, it, that's the thing, that's your ticket to greatness? I, I, I continue exploring because as you explore the female power, then you explore the, the, the male power as well. You know, so, so, so sort of is that balance and dynamic. As you explore the other gender, you cast light, you shine a light on who you are as well. Mm. It's a con- job it's a continuous battle it's a continuous battle and and when you were looking into the life of miss nina simone i know we spoke a little bit about this yesterday last night when you and i were chatting getting ready for the show um and having written about brenda fasi who's our who's the south african version i think of of one of the most burdened artists did you find any similarities or parallels in their lives? No, definitely. The reason why I'm doing stories about these women, uh, Brenda, Miriam, Busi, Ladambulu, Nina, Lauren Hill, Edith Piaf, you can go on and on. It's because there are direct similarities, similarities and parallel lines. There's some sort of a spiritual, kinetic communication and energy. There's some kind of sort of, a, you know, some sparks, sparks that, how do I put it? Sparks, sort of communication between, that continues through lineages, if you know what I mean. Sure. So from one generation to another, there are different, definitely, definitely parallel uh, communications between those two people. I mean, all those women that I'm talking about, whether they have met or not, there's something going on. There's so, a riot going on. The, so, I mean, the world was never ready. For Miss Nina Simone, the the works that she made, the way that she made music, the way that she combined folk music, children's music to classical and jazz. This is never ready for shape shifting. (laughs) Um, Shape shifting. 
artists. It's never rich, but what happens is the ones they die, they're easy to package and celebrate, and that's what people do. Mm. You know, everyone loves you when you're dead. Everyone so, loves you when you're dead. When I was reading up um, this morning, just reading up on Nina, I was astounded. I started the show off by playing My Baby Just Cares For Me. Astounded yeah. that even though that record was cut in the 50s, it's only yeah. in the 80s when it was used for a Chanel ad that it gained such popularity again. It's- so much as we have to give this artist the, 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 the kudos that they deserve, the acclaim, it's important not to look at them as separate and distinct from the communities and experiences that have shaped them. Nina came from the South. Nina came from the Black South. And the Black South is the Africa of the United States of America. <laughs> Nina came from that particular experience. She was shaped by that experience. So the, the same experience that would have shaped Mahalia Jackson, for example, or Arisa Franklin, for example, or Roberta Flake, for example. So she comes from that, and, 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 and that is directly linked to the church in the U.S. But the church in the U.S. was not an ordinary spiritual uh, site. It was a site of struggle as well. And that's where the AME Church comes from, the African Methodist, uh, I mean, African uh, Episcopal. It, it was a site of struggle. It's, it's directly linked to the post free men from the slavery, those who were freed. They were able to, to, to create this kind of churches. So for them, the idea of freedom and seeking for freedom parallels the story of the Jews and the Israelites in Moses' time, you know, having to free themselves or God freeing them from Egypt. It's always, always about seeking freedom. So their gospel is fire-charged. It's charged with that element of seeking freedom. Nina comes from there. It's important that we look at her through 360 degrees. Sure. And, and I mean, she, she tried to get into a music school in Philadelphia and was denied entrance. And, and she maintained up until her death that it was because she was black that she wasn't allowed into the school. So. For me, I'm going, I don't want to be rude and I don't want to cut you. I just want you to be cognizant. A colleague of mine is waiting for me. I'm in the shower or the bath <laughs> as I'm talking to you. I want us to be pinpointed in such a way that we do two or three questions and we wrap it up. Is that fine with no, you? No, that is perfect. That is perfect. So okay. I, ju- I just want to, I, I just want to find out the element, as you were saying that you're looking, your dialogue, um, platforms are really about looking at our country and the ills of our country and, and, and having those conversations about it. So, Nina Simone's life and her experiences and how she, as you say, they're heroines, you know, how she, she was triumphant. The reason why I said it on Nina is because, and you should remember the title was, I put a spell on you, Nina Simone and the African Connections. That was the title of my lecture. Mm. And uh, I'm saying the African Connections because Nina had, even before she was born, pre-birth, had direct links to the mother continent. But even as an artist, after she was made, she had established her name. She consciously moved to Barbados because she was looking something deeper, a deeper blackness than the U.S. was able to offer, but a, a deeper connection to the mother country, mother continent. She went to Barbados, and she left Barbados. She moved to Liberia at, at the invitation of Miriam Makeba. And she, she left uh, Liberia at some point to work in Kenya. And, and then she finally ended up in the south of France. 
but it was not only the trips and and the short stays that she did in Africa, but it's the connection she made with the continent. If you listen to the song African Male Man, African Male Man, and you look at Nina's performance at Montreal Jazz Festival in 1976, when she dances to African male men, what she does are erotic African dances, dances based on healing. Wow. You know, so was direct, direct lineage, linkage, ex- exploration and communication between African ancestral roots and the continent and Nina Simone. That went beyond I'm back in the mother country kind of shit. No, it went beyond that. It was a conscious effort to deal with Africa at, at, at a practical, at a creative, at a sonic level. And at, at a deep level. And I Put a Spell on You is a very special song in your life. I Put a Spell on You, look at the word, the, the name and the word spell. It can mean anything. It can mean magic as well. For me, it means black magic. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And I put a spell on you for me, it goes beyond, it's a love song, but it goes beyond that. A love song, love is a metaphor for revolution sometimes. Mm. Love is a metaphor for healing. But love is a metaphor for, for, for disruption as well. So when he say, when she says, I put a spell on you, you can just imagine what is possible within that and what will come out of that spell. And what do you do when you are kept spellbound? I do want you to share, to share just your, when you heard the album, and I know, like a lot of us, I think we, we're all very jaded when we see remakes or revisits or people doing tribute albums. We're always just going, oh, they're going to fuck it up. We're always thinking, they're never going to be as good as the original. They'll never get it right. They'll never, they'll never understand the feeling, the meaning, the, the true sense of what this thing's about. But you had an experience with when you heard Alice Smith's version, which is on the Nina Revisited album of I Put a Spell on You. So listen, the entire album, like I was saying, I was getting my lawyers to get disappointed. I was preparing myself to make peace with the fact that it's going to be a cut album. <laughs> because tribute albums don't work. Anything that says tribute doesn't work. It's a con job, mostly. So, exactly. So, but, but I remember that uh, Lauren Hill and Stephen Marley did some beautiful, beautiful work, um, and Erica Badu around, I think, 2001. And but most of the album thing. sucked, though. Most of the it album sucked. Anything called um, uh, ten, ten the Lights Down Low or something like that. Yes. That's really, 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 really beautiful. So for me, the best tribute projects are not tributes, uh, are not reprisals. They are reimaginings of the work, whereby an artist brings their own total take, a different take, a take that might be in direct contrast with the original. It can murder the original or uplift the original, but it doesn't have to repeat, imitate, and ape the original. And so this album, for me, is amazing in the sense that it might have been a different album and there's nothing to do with Nina Simone, you know? But it, but all the artists were inspired by Nina Simone, so that's very, very important. That's the central thesis, the central block of that. And then once you establish the central pillar, then you can fly away from that and you can create yourself tell your own story using the old foundations that the icon has put in place. And that's what happens with Alice Smith. The Alice Smith song there, I put a spell on you, 
for me, it's trans-meditational stuff. For me, it's, it's, it's what Alice Coltrane was able to do with the harp. It's what Busin Krongo did with the Zulu rock. It's what ordinary Eastern Cape, Zulu women, Kosa women, all the indigenous people in this country and everywhere else in the world are able to do when they're in the deepest form of pain and they, they're looking for a release, a spiritual release, an erotic release too. Mm. And that's what you do. You get into that space where you are not in total control of, of, of what you are able to create or what comes out of you. And that's what happened with Ali Smith in that song, I Put a Spell on You. Do you think she channeled Nina? Well, she more than channeled Nina. She channeled the entire world, the problems, the, the tragedies and the triumphs of Nina. She, she channeled the black world. She channeled the future. And so... Thank you so much. Yes, sorry? sorry. Thank you so much. I'm out. <laughs> Thanks a lot. Is that you dropping your mic? Yes, I'm dropping the mic. <laughs> I'm still under your spell right now. You, you've got me, and I, I'm definitely going to take you up on for a drink, and we're definitely going to have a conversation about this again. Have you maybe one of the opportunities to have a conversation about some of the the challenges in our society, especially when it comes to, as you were saying, the spiritual reservoirs, is to come and chat with us here on Wumandla. But thank you very much for taking the time to chat with us. Thank you so much. Shab. Okay, bye. Bye. That was an ever, ever flamboyant, ever, ever amazing, and really also putting a spell on us just with his take on the music, on the woman, on the, the meaning of what is out there. And I think maybe let's take a moment and we'll play, uh, I put a spell on you. This is Alice Smith's version of I put a spell on you. This is it. This is Alice Smith's I put a spell on you. One of Nina Simone Staples. The absolutely haunting I put a spell on you by Alice Smith, which is, I think, is very, very aptly put by Bongani sounds like Africa, sounds like the world, sounds like the pain of a woman in love. And what Alice Smith managed to do with that is simply give us a feeling of what Nina Simone was all about. And when you hear the original as well, it will blow your mind. Now, one of the very last interviews that Miss um, Nina Simone did give was an interview with to the BBC with Tim Sebastian in 1999. And it's also at a time when the world was kind of anti-smoking. People aren't smoking on TV. There's no, you know, you're not allowed to, um, oh dear, you're not allowed to, to be smoking anywhere. And as she said in the first bit of the interview, she says she's a star. And she actually starts the interview off by saying to Tim Sebastian, can she smoke? And he's like, uh, I don't know. So she lights up her cigarette anyway, and she keeps her hand off camera. And the whole time she's being interviewed, you just see wafts of smoke drifting into the frame. And this is Nina Simone talking with Tim about, about changing the world with her music. Ah, that's, I can't lose with that, can I? No, you can't. <laughs> you can't, but I can. Tell me about music as a political weapon, which you've used it as. Oh, as now, that's a hard one. Um, 
as a political weapon. It has helped me for uh, 30 years defend the rights of American blacks and third world um, people all over the world to defend them with protest songs. And it helps to change the world. When you get up on the stage and you sing, what's in your mind? Just the singing? To no, to move the audience, to make them conscious of what has been done to my people around the world. So you sing from anger? No, I sing from uh, uh, intelligence. I sing from letting them know that I know who they are and what they have done to my people around the world. That's not anger. It, anger, anger has its place. Anger has fire, and fire moves things. But uh, I sing from intelligence. I don't want them to think that I don't know who they are, darling. <laughs> who are they? They are the white people around the world, with the exception of Nelson Mandela, whom I met this year. I went to his marriage and his anniversary in 1998. And you weren't disappointed? Oh, no, my God. He's a saint. He's the greatest person on the planet. How much does fame mean to you? How much does your success mean to my you? My success means a great deal to me, and my stage presence and being on stage means a great deal to me. My music is first in my life. And what's second? What do you sacrifice for your music? I do don't you sacrifice anything for my music. But secondly, I would love to be married, you know. I think I'll marry the cameraman over there. <laughs> But I would love to be married. I have a man of my own, but that's second to my music. My music, nothing takes its place. Nothing. And that is a woman living in her power. This is the reason why, for me, celebrating Women's Month, having a conversation about Nina Simone, celebrating the music of Nina Simone. And you've, um, unless you have a hacked Netflix account, unfortunately, we're going to have to wait a while before we can see the film. It was released on Netflix last week, but that's Nina Simone. She's just, she is who she is and she is walking in her greatness. And what I wish for every woman this Women's Month in South Africa and all over the world is that we we can learn from those women who, when the world was tough, when everything was against them, she still said, you know what? I'm a star and I know who I am and I'm going to use my anger when I can, but I'm going to use my intelligence far more. And it's no secret that I'm a Lauren Hill fan. So I'm going to go back to the Lauren Hill song because it's had over a million hits on YouTube in over the past um, week. She was live on tonight with jimmy fallon i think and she came she is one of the producers along with robert clasper of the nina revisited a tribute to nina simone which we were so kindly it was so kindly given to us this morning by uh, sony music sa who are the distributors locally and miss lauren hill on this album she has a couple of songs that she sings on this album that she's produced on this album and she is phenomenal she is absolutely unbelievable you can feel her 
be back. I have been pining for Lauren Hill ever since she, uh, ever since I saw that disastrous show where she was on, um, here in South Africa. And she was so paranoid and she really wasn't bringing what we expected her to bring. But when I heard this, I thought, wow. Wow, wow, wow. Lauren Hill has found her voice. She has found the music in her again. And I truly believe what Wongane was talking about, that these women have a deep spiritual connection with each other. And that as women, you know, there's um, we're a reservoir of creativity and spiritual creativity. And these two definitely also in their musical creativity. And this is Lauren Hill. Feeling good. Flying high, you know how I feel. Sun in the sky, you know how I feel. Breeze drifting all by, you know how I feel. It's a new dawn, it's a new day. It's a new life for me. It's a new dawn, it's a new day, it's a new life for me. Woo! And I'm feeling good. Fish in the sea, you know how I feel. River running free. Blossom on a tree You know how I feel It's a new dawn It's a new day It's a new life For me And I'm feeling good Dragonfly out in the sun You know what I mean Don't you know Butterflies are Having fun, you know what I mean Sleep in peace when day is done That's what I mean And this old world is the new world And the bold world
That is Miss Lauren Hill feeling good, channeling Miss Nina Simone. She was on the Tonight Show um, on Thursday, the 31st of July, and completely tore it up. The live performance is absolutely riveting and amazing. But I think more than anything, for me, just between us girls, for me, the story of Miss Nina Simone reads like so many of the stories of so many South African women. She was raised by a preacher mother and a father who, you know, blue collar workers. She really wanted to be a pianist. She wanted to be a classical pianist, but couldn't. Um, couldn't because of the times that she was living in. She couldn't because... She just was not allowed to. And I think as South African women, there are so many things that we wish we could do that we can't do. But we shouldn't let that stop us. That didn't stop Miss Nina Simone. She still lived her life. She went out there and lived her dream. She had to work. And before fame found her, she really was grinding. She was teaching. She was singing in bars. She was she was trying to make the best of the situation that was getting that she had and she never once when you read the story of of her life she you don't hear her complaining about she just goes what can i do what can i do next to make my life better what can i do next to make my life better where's the next opportunity where's the next thing and when people try and get it down she's not above pulling out a knife in a in a meeting in a in a in a business meeting and saying you're not going to steal my royalties and i think if anything this Women's Month that I wish for all our South African women is that we learn to live in our power, that we learn to say, fuck it, that's the way the world is, but this is how I want my world to be and take it by the horns and make the world what we want it to be. One of the the last songs that I'm going to play out with before I say goodbye is really also something that I think she made the song very popular. She wasn't the original artist, Um don't let me be misunderstood. And it really is about. And and when you hear the, the version I'm going to play again out of the, the album um, Nina Revisited is Mary J. Blige. And when you hear Mary's voice, you just you just get it. You just get the how easily one can be misunderstood. And I think as women, you know, this month, this month, if not at any other time in our lives, in this country, every year, this is the month where we should be living our lives the way that we need it to, to be. And we should be making ourselves heard and we should be making ourselves understood and definitely, um, not letting somebody else be the one that, um, runs our life or that determines how we are or how we should be. This is our life to live as we please. And this Women's Month, if anything, we're not going to complain. I think we're not going to complain, girls. We're just going to step in the hills and we're going to step out there and make the world the best world that we can make it because we are the... We are the reservoirs. We are the creators. We are not just the creators and givers of life. We are the creators and of our own lives and our own realities. This is last song for the day from Nina Simone Revisited. Miss Mary J. Blige, don't let me be misunderstood. Stamina.
And there it is, girls, there it is. This is my personal tribute to Miss Nina Simone and my absolute joy that I wanted to share with you that Miss Lauren Hill has found her voice again. But more than anything, more than anything, this woman's month. I don't want this month to go by and be just about another women getting beaten, women sleeping at conferences, women wanting more than what they can be or should be. I think this month... We can be and we can show the world that we are far more, far more important and so much more of a vibrant part of the society. And really, the future of this country is going to be when women can step into their glory and when women can walk within their purpose and make a difference in the world that they're in. I'm Pumi Mashekho and you've been tuned in to Womanta. This is cliffcentral.com